In that classic movie, full of theological profoundity and keen insight into the human condition, Mighty Python and the Quest for the Holy Grail. <laughs> Cain Arthur and his knights, those that have survived near the end of the movie, arrive at the bridge of death. And in order to pass by to the other side, they have to successfully answer the questions of the bridge keeper. And the bridge keeper asks different questions, but there's one question he asks every single night. He says, what is your quest? Or what is it you are seeking, to say it in different language? And all of the knights get this question correct. They say they are seeking the Holy Grail. I'm avoiding the temptation that a couple of you are feeling uh, to get into that other question about the average uh, air velocity speed of an unladen swallow. But we, we'll leave that aside. You have to watch the movie. Uh, classic movie. Get to the classic text from Luke 13. We find Jesus. It's the Sabbath day. It's the synagogue. The people of God have come together as a community to worship. And so they are there. And Jesus heals this woman who for 18 years has had this infirmity, which has kept her kind of like this, bent over and difficult to move. Unusual for Jesus to heal someone? No, no not particularly. Uh, some controversy immediately follows Jesus healing this woman. Is that unusual for Jesus? No. No, no this is kind of par for the course for Jesus throughout his earthly ministry. People are like, oh, why is he doing that? I want us to think for a moment about kind of the two primary people besides Jesus in this passage. So we have the woman, and we have the synagogue ruler. What do you think is their spirit, is their attitude? What is on their mind as they are coming to the Sabbath day, as they're coming to worship, as they're at the synagogue? What's on the woman's mind? Her infirmity, right? She may be desperately seeking Jesus because... For 18 years, so presumably she's tried other things, she's gone to physicians. She's like, well, this is it, I've heard of Jesus, maybe he can help me. What about the synagogue ruler? What, what, what might be on his mind? Well, yeah, he has a very, very important role in his community, and that is he's the synagogue ruler, and so he wants everything to go in decency and order. And the synagogue ruler is completely within his rights to say that the Sabbath is crazily important. It is sacred to the Israelites. It is sacred to the Jewish people. It's not just a suggestion in the Hebrew Scriptures. It's not just, oh, this would be a nice idea if you do this sometimes for your personal wellness. No, it's part of those top ten. You remember those? The Ten Commandments. Deuteronomy 5, Exodus 20. And one of the markers of the Jewish people, since those commandments were given, that was to say, hey, we're different than the rest of the world, and we are committed to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, was the observance of the Sabbath. Very, very serious stuff. In fact, it was so serious that after those commandments were given, in the centuries that followed, they added more regulations, and they had debates among rabbis and scholars and case law about what you could and could not do on the Sabbath day. And one of the things you could not do was work. And healing was considered a work. So we see the foundation for maybe why the synagogue ruler was thinking the way that he did, at least at first.
Now let's think about how we find these two people at the end of Luke 13, the passage we just heard. We see the woman, where is she at at the end of this passage? She's healed. She had been infirm, but she stands up and she praises God. And where's the synagogue ruler? He's ashamed. He's ashamed. Because he protests along with the other elders in the congregation, this is what we're supposed to do, this is the regulation, this is what God has given our people, it's our venerable tradition. But then when Jesus points out how this daughter of Abraham, one of your own people, was healed, and you're objecting to that, he's shamed. He's shamed. He realizes he was missing the point. And by the way, kind of parentheses, very early on in the Jesus movement, very on in the early centuries, the Lord's Day became the important day for Christians. The Lord's Day, which is Sunday, which is the day of resurrection. That became the emphasis for most Christians. I bet some of you can think of at least one Christian group is very tiny, who says, oh, no, 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 we still do it the old way of the Sabbath. But most Christians worship uh, God on Sunday, the Lord's Day, the day of resurrection. There's a point that Jesus is making right here in this passage that he makes over and over again throughout the Gospels. It's worth saying, but I think there's something else for us in this passage today, but I should say the thing that Jesus says again and again. He emphasizes that mercy should trump religious observance. So if you're allowing your religious observance to block you showing compassion, you need to wonder about your religious observance. Even something as venerable as the Sabbath for the Jews, Jesus is saying you cannot allow that to get in the way of showing mercy because God's character is hesed in the Old Testament. God's loving kindness. And some of us perhaps sometimes need to learn that lesson. Don't allow religious observance to get in the way of compassion. And there are definitely movements in the world today that need to learn that lesson too. Okay. But here I think is the something else for us. What is your quest what is it that you are seeking when you come to the Lord's day, the day of resurrection, when you come to the Eucharist? What is it that you're seeking? Why are you here? What's on your mind and your heart as you participate in worship is really important. Are you more like the woman or are you more like the synagogue ruler? The woman is coming seeking an experience with Jesus. She's coming to seek the living God. She knows she has things in her life that need some help. And for us, that might be physical, it might be emotional, it might be spiritual, it might be people we care about in our lives, uh, infirmaries of different kinds, things that cripple our lives in some way. Are you coming with that kind of sense as you approach the table? Or is it more like the synagogue ruler? This is the tradition of our people, I was raised this way, it's a good thing to do, I like the other people there. I mean, that's all okay, but there's more. This passage is showing us that there's more than that for worship and for the life of faith. And that we are to bring whatever it is in our lives to the table. Exactly. See, he is agreeing with me. That's what's going on right there. He's agreeing with me. So if we take Luke 13 and the woman and we set aside the Eucharist, we get a picture of what you're invited and I'm invited to do in our lives. We come through our lives and we've had crippling things, emotional, spiritual, whatever the case may be. We're kind of bent over by life. It's kind of worn us down a little bit, some weeks more than others. And then we come and we are fed and encouraged by God's people. And then we're able to stand up and praise God. 
And then guess what? We go back into our lives, into our marriages, into our parenting, into our work, into our friendships and other relationships. And we try to live out our faith. And in a lot of weeks, we kind of get, you know, a little crippled again. We've taken some shots. We've taken some hits. And then we return to the table so that we can stand up and praise God. That's the invitation of the Christian life right there. One little parenthesis, and then we'll kind of wrap up. Sometimes in life, when it's the dark valley, you come and you don't, you don't get lifted up in praising God. You just come, and that source of comfort and strength and the support of God's people gives you enough support just to get by. Just to get by. But someday, some future Eucharist will come, and you'll be able to stand up and praise God again. So the question for you is pretty simple, pretty direct, and for me, what is your quest? What is it that you are seeking, both when you come here, but just in your life of faith, in your life of prayer? Are you just seeking a little ritual, just a nice thing to do, or are you seeking something deeper? That's what God is inviting you and me, something deeper. And the wonderful promise of that is if we seek that deeper thing in the Eucharist, if we seek that deeper thing in our faith, we seek that deeper thing in our prayer, God's grace will give us a promise. And here's the promise. Whatever bridge of death you will face, and we face lots of little deaths in our lives, and some big ones, as well as that final one that will come to each of us, if you can seek faithfully that deeper sense of something beyond just the ritual, beyond just words of a prayer, beyond just the concept of God to a living reality, if we can hold on to that, however imperfectly, God's grace promises us that whatever bridge of death we face, we will be able to pass by to the other side. Amen.